as a society, we have been watching movies for decades. While a lot has changed, such as where we watch them and how they're made, some things stay the same. The quality of special effects may be better, and characters might adapt to the times they're in, but at the end of the day, we can still rely on our favorite genres and themes for entertainment. Through good and bad theatrical releases and streaming services, movies are a work of art that make it fun to really think and dive into the subject matter at hand. So let's do it. Hi, I'm Maggie, and you're listening to Getting Geeky. Tank Girl, directed by Rachel Talalay, is a science fiction action movie where, in a dystopian future, one megacorporation has control of almost all the water and power. The house that Tank Girl, or Rebecca, lives in was raided because they were siphoning water, and the only two that make it out alive are her and a ten-year-old girl named Sam. They're both captured and separated until Rebecca breaks out of the slave-like working conditions of the megacorporation, makes some powerful allies, and goes up against the people in power in an effort to release water back into the environment. Tank Girl received a 38% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. The movie runs for an hour and 44 minutes. This movie is going to get under your skin. I'm just, I'm gonna be real. This movie is going to make you itchy because it is going to make you uncomfortable. It's not the type of sci-fi movie where you're waiting for aliens to pop out from somewhere. You're waiting for a jump scare to fly out of nowhere and make you scream. It's not that kind of out of this world. A lot of parts of this movie are definitely strange and unbelievable and they don't make sense. But there are parts of this movie that make a little too much sense. And that is going to get under your skin. And it's, it's gonna get under your skin in a good way. I mean, it's gonna make you unbelievably uncomfortable, but it'll make sense if you watch it. This movie shows my absolute favorite take on dystopias. I feel like whenever I see the trope of this post-apocalyptic world where people have to team up to accomplish a specific goal, it's always this very specific main goal of like overthrowing a government or attempting to find something that's honestly irrelevant or it should not be relevant in my opinion. Because the resources that you are going to be going after in a post-apocalyptic future are going to be the basics. You are going to be going after food, you are going to be going after water, and you are going to be going after some sort of like heat or power source which is what the mega corporation has a hold of. Not to say that they're not trying to overthrow the government because technically that's what water and power is. Water and power is the company. But that's not, that's more secondary. Their first priority is getting the water back into the environment. One of my biggest problems was definitely water and power's business model or governing model, depending on how you want to look at it. Because they were both, again, government and the company that controlled all of the water and the power. So, first of all, it was really freaky how much sense it made. Just because they really showed that it is your resources and your leadership that really give you your power, both in the sense of electricity in this scenario, as well as the actual power over the people. But it also showed the blatant misuse of power, particularly in the male superior officers, over their employees, or not really employees, actually, they would be more equated to slaves because they are working in slave-like working conditions in a prison system. Again, deeply unsettling how realistic this could be in certain scenarios. Now, all of the men in this movie were morally reprehensible. Let's just start there 
And I, I am not letting the Rippers off the hook. I know that they were the least terrible of all of the men in this movie, but I am still not letting them off the hook. But I will get into that in a minute. Because quite frankly, the worst of all of the men were the men who worked for water and power. There was a lot of posturing going on there. There was a lot of toxic masculinity and there was a lot of sexual entitlement. For the most part, they were using their positions to take advantage of the people who were working there, particularly the women, which we see most prevalently with Rebecca and Jet, who we meet once they get to the water and power plant. It's more generalized around Rebecca, where she is this standoffish woman with crazy hair and she's missing half of her clothes and she's being flirty and sarcastic and she is using the men's attitudes against them pretty much the entire time and they have no idea how to deal with this woman that is more powerful than them even though she is technically in custody she is just absolutely incredible in that sense and so powerful and i loved it and then we meet Jet, who is the complete opposite of her. She is very quiet, she stutters, she does not stand up to her superiors, and one man in particular tries to take advantage of her multiple times as payment, as a trade-off, as favors. And she turns him down every time, and eventually Rebecca has to step in and be like, hey, no, she's my girlfriend, you're not, you don't touch her, and rescues her from this guy. But the way that they think that they know everything or act like they know everything when they clearly don't says so much about the men in this universe. And I'm sure that any of the girls listening know about guys that do the exact same thing. Speaking of the girls, let's talk about the two female protagonists, right? Like that, they're both unique and strong in their own ways, which I think is pretty much the best part of all of this. Because first of all, we have Rebecca, or Tank Girl, the title character. She literally steals a tank. But on top of that, she is so confident in herself. She is confident in other people. She is this incredibly strong character that just... She knows what she wants and she knows that she is going to reach her goals. Which I, like, right off the bat, I absolutely adored about her character. And then we have Jet, who she picks up early on when she is captured by water and power. And Jet is pretty much the exact opposite, where she's, she's not at all self-confident, she has no clue how to stand up for herself, she pretty much hides underneath whatever she's fixing, which she just fixes planes, she knows how to fly planes. And then they meet each other, and it's really interesting just how it goes, because we see Rebecca who is like, I know that you can stand up for yourself, I know that you're capable of doing all of these tasks, but she notices that she's like hiding her smile behind her hands, and she's like, are you insecure? Are you uncomfortable? Like, what's going on here? And then like by the end of the movie, because of this confidence that Rebecca has in her, Jet is dressing differently, she is standing up for herself, she faces the man who tried to sexually assault her at the beginning of the movie and literally just she has her hair pushed back she says to him like i don't want to deal with you like just that whole scene gave me so much confidence and i loved how they changed each other so that maybe rebecca wasn't 
completely reasonable, but she still was able to tone it down just enough that she was able to get along with Jet, who was the more level-headed of the two of them. They created this dynamic of like the really like loud and somewhat irritating friend versus the quiet friend who kind of is more in the background, but they don't do anything to like belittle each other. They try to push each other up the entire time, which I think is so cool. I just, I loved that so much. But now, Liquid Silver was basically this world's version of a strip club. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere, and it is where we meet Sam after she gets captured. Now, Sam was the other girl who survived the water and power raid at the house that Rebecca lived in at the beginning. So she is this 10-year-old girl. She is on her own, and she is taken prisoner and then taken to work at a strip club, which first of all, child labor laws. Second of all, strip club, 10 year old. That is absolutely disgusting on so many levels. Nothing happened to her, but still the way that it could have. Just, I had to pause the movie and walk out because what? it just disgusting, just absolutely disgusting. Now, the Rippers were the least terrible of all of the men. Still not great, but they were on Rebecca and Jet's side, so they were just a little bit better. Still not great. But also, technically, they weren't actually men. Um, like, yes, they portrayed the gender stereotypes of men, but also, they weren't human. They were super soldiers. And I don't mean like Steve Rogers as Captain America, Bucky Barnes as the Winter Soldier, super soldiers. So get that out of your head right now because this is so much worse. They were genetic experiments that were designed to be stronger than men. They were designed to not have to use man-made weapons like guns. They were supposed to be like superior to men but the way that they did that was by creating kangaroo hybrids you heard that right kangaroo hybrids but these things that possessed the same abilities as human people was just absolutely terrifying they were supposed to be killed too like after the experiment was done and they weren't needed for anything anymore, but they were stronger than the men who were trying to kill them and just started trying to take out the government as revenge. Which, first of all, the implications of being scientifically advanced enough to create man-animal hybrids is a lot in and of itself, but also combined with the fact that they have this ability and they are still dealing with water shortage problems because of this mega corporation. I don't know, something about that, something about that is hitting a little bit too close to home for me to be personally comfortable with it. I just, the technology was incredible. The technological aspect of that is baffling. If we really want to get into the technology part of this though, there was so much about this that didn't make any kind of sense, but that was what made it so much fun. I don't know how they managed to do, to do this, but the tank was sentient. The tank that Rebecca stole at the beginning of the movie when they were escaping from water and power, uh, it was sentient. 
it came when she called it like a dog and it could answer questions, particularly yes or no questions, which was very interesting. And I wonder what kind of coding it would take to get an actual vehicle to that point. But I liked the inventiveness of it. That made it really fun. And also the way that the tank was decorated was really cool. But then also there was the man with the metal arm. The man with the metal arm was basically the antagonist of this whole thing. He was the worst of the men who worked at Water and Power. He was their leader. He pretty much owned the whole company. He was the leader of everything. And he would do anything to get what he wanted, including just all types of horrific activities. During one of said horrific activities, he loses an arm and the doctor that he, first of all, he should have died because it was against a ripper and rippers don't take prisoners. But he gets back to the power company and he is in with his doctor and she tells him that like they're not, like he shouldn't have lived. He's probably never gonna be able to see again. He doesn't have his arm anymore but she can do something to ease that pain, which was give him painkillers. And he turns down the painkillers and Sergeant Small, who was the second most disgusting man in this entire movie, comes in with a new doctor who replaces his arm with a fun high-tech metal arm. The next time that we see his face, it's not real, it's a hologram. Now, I will leave it up to your imagination as to how one can reasonably lose their head while getting an arm replaced, but just a hint, it's not super reasonable. I just, I loved the way that they worked around the technology of this movie and how it would correlate to how the government and the people in power would interact with it, because that was what made this movie so unsettling was just the way that you could just as easily picture it happening and realize that, no, this isn't entirely unrealistic. If Earth were put through these circumstances, who is to say that this exact thing wouldn't happen? This movie was made over 25 years ago and is still just as relevant now as it was then. And that's just absolutely incredible. Would I recommend this movie? After everything I just said about how unsettling it is, absolutely I would. Yeah, maybe it's a little off the wall and freaky, but at the same time, it just, it's humbling and bone chilling. And that's what I love so much about it. So yes, I would absolutely recommend watching this movie. Even if you don't wanna watch the movie, even the soundtrack by itself is super awesome. I'd listen to that on its own, even without the movie present. The movie itself is based off of comic strips, but you do not have to read the comic strips in order to understand the movie. We do see those comic strips reflected though in transition scenes, as well as in the credits before and after the movies, which was a really interesting effect. And I am so glad that they pulled that in and used it. You can watch this movie for free on Pluto TV or on Tubi, or you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Want to get involved? If you want to help me pick what could be next week's movie, 
go ahead and fill out the Google form that's linked in the bio of both my Instagram at getting underscore geeky and my Twitter at getting underscore geek. Listen in the same time next week. See you later.